Captain's Log, Stardate 74539.5. My Strategic Operations Officer, Lieutenant Commander David, has informed the senior staff that a mysterious dark veil has appeared near Romulus in the Beta Quadrant. Myself, along with the crew of the USS Vigilant, are currently en route to investigate. This episode of These Are the Voyages is dedicated to a certain point of view. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain. I'm Captain Chase McKinney, and we have another book that's beaming in for us to talk about this month. Uh, recently, we wrapped up the uh, the Shatner verse, at least the uh, the retroactively named Odyssey trilogy um, that had um, Ashes of Eden, The Return, and uh, that other book, Avenger. Um, thrown in for good measure. And uh, joining me again as we move way forward in the timeline by, I don't know, at least, you know, 10 years or so, um, is my good friend, uh, good old Commander David. What's up, bud? Welcome back to the show and welcome back to another book discussion. Yeah, man. Good to be back. It's been, uh, I don't know, time's weird right now. It was, what, two weeks ago that we wrapped up uh, Discovery, right? Or is it a week? I think it was two weeks um, we wrapped up Discovery. That was two weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks ago at the time of yeah. this recording. Yeah, when we wrapped up, yeah. wrapped up Disco. So yeah, it's been a minute. But welcome back. What's been what's been going on in your world uh, since since Disco ended? Oh uh, well, I, a lot of reading actually. There there has been a lot of books that have been coming out. Obviously. The Dark Veil here, which we'll talk about today, but there were two releases in the Star Wars universe, Light of the Jedi and I always, uh, Test of Courage. <laughs> and then uh, there's actually another one coming up here in, I think, two weeks to continue the whole High Republic era. So new stuff for, for the Star, Star Wars uh, part of the whatever universe multiverse we want to call that but yeah it was uh it's kind of nice to get into another uh, another trek book yeah and i've um i i actually purchased um light of the jedi as well like i think I, I got it the same day that i got dark veil and i've been waiting to get through dark veil before i do light of the jedi which means that i also have not on purpose listen to your episode of Light of the Jedi because I don't want to be spoiled and I like to support yeah. your show as much as I can by you know get like listening and giving you those downloads but I couldn't give it to you on that one dude just couldn't no it's a, it's understandable and it was definitely a spoiler review we actually god that episode was actually pretty long like I saw it, it was I, like two hours wasn't it yeah I think my brother was like oh this isn't going to take much time as it is like well hold on a minute here we'll see about that <laughs> You know, it's funny because I say that like I'll have um, like a guest or something or, or even like you or I, even Eric sometimes where I'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm meeting with so and so. So it's not going to be that long of an episode <laughs> two hours later. Well, I mean, we, we've done two hour discovery episodes and like we've had some shorter discovery episodes and we've had some long ones, uh, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I think the, the shortest discovery discussion we had was like, what, an hour and 15, hour and 20, something like that? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Of course, that is three different voices there with sometimes three different opinions. So <laughs> it, it, it can jump up a lot of discussion. It was, it was always funny uh, in the, the group text, you know, getting in there. It's like, oh, Eric's probably going to like this one. And then I write back, well, that means that I'm going to hate it or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chase, you have to be ambivalent at this at this one. You got to be the moderator this time. So <laughs> that's that's true. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been funny, like especially like going back, um, just as a preview for whenever we do our um, our retrospective. Um, I've been going through all the the ratings that we've given. Oh yeah, and that's been very interesting to look at over the course of the season, like. We've all, generally speaking, been like in the same ballpark, but it's anyway. Like, I'm not gonna get too much into it. It's just, it's just been interesting to watch, like how, you know, like we all are in on the same page of liking or disliking it, but mm-hmm. one of us is more gracious than others, and we usually have yeah. someone right in the middle. It's, it's, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. There were only a couple of, a couple of times where we had ratings that were far apart. So, like with me, well, unification, yeah. <laughs> well, so apart from uh, from reading, um, anything else kind of cool or maybe not so cool been going on in your world? Uh, no, nothing, nothing noteworthy. It's just you know, it's it's winter here in Ohio, so. You know, we get periodic snow, and I'm not really going anywhere because we're still in the whole. Yeah. And I think as, as far as that's concerned, I don't think my particular business that I work for is going to even attempt to go back until, like, after summer. So yeah. <laughs> we've got a long way to go just sitting sitting in my desk and, you know, at home. <laughs> so, Good old cabin fever going to kick in. <laughs> Uh, well, once once the weather breaks back up, then I can you know get back out and do some backpacking and hiking and stuff like that. I mean, sure. I could do that in the winter, but the older I get, the the less I enjoy sleeping in the cold in a little tent. So, <laughs> good on. Sounds that. fair. <laughs> Sounds fair. Yeah. Um, I think the one time there was um. You know, Eric and I, we both lived in Michigan, and of course we've mm-hmm. camped in the snow too. And uh, there was, uh, I don't remember what it was called, but it was this, it was like this winter camping training that you could sign up for. Not everyone did it, but it was, you learned how to make a Quincy. You know what a Quincy is? I don't think so. Maybe if you explain it. It's kind of like an igloo. Um, it's the best way I can explain it. it it's it's kind of like an igloo. You need a you really do need a lot of snow to make it work, but um, it, it takes a while to build. But what you do is you you get like staves and like long limbs and stuff, and like you stick them upright, and you like you shovel snow until you get okay. to like just the top of it, and then what you do is you kind of dig a hole, I think down through and up. And what it does is it creates like that that vacuum, you know, so that you're you're trapping your heat on the inside. So like, you get in there, man, and as long as you got a pecan, 
not a not a pecan. You actually have a pea can. Um, you're good to go because like you're nice and toasty, especially when you get like one or two other folks in there with you. And um, anyways, yeah, but you have to like carve it out. Of course, you have to like you know hollow it out. But um, it, it's it was really it was really cool. Um, there's a, a thing that we would do too called a Klondike Derby, and you would camp in the snow either camp in the snow for like a polar bear award or you just stay in the cabin it was fine but it was funny like um we go to like one of these award ceremonies with our, our scout troop I, we were in different scout troops at the time and um, i remember this one court of honor and um they were handing out polar bear awards and um <laughs> the person handing them out was like announcing the names he's sick next one he's sick <laughs> Everyone that attempted it was yeah. sick, so it was kind of funny <laughs> in a sadistic kind of way. Jeez, yeah, that that was. I mean, that was definitely a lot of fun doing that that kind of stuff uh, when I was a kid. I mean, like like I said, now I I enjoy I enjoy being comfortable. Um, long gone are the days where I want to sleep just on the ground. I mean, I've got a nice insulated inflatable pad. I mean, lightweight, you know, like an actual right. backpacking deal. It's very, very light, but it is insulated and it is inflatable. You know, I remember getting my first, you know, inflatable pad and sleeping in the night. I was like, my God, what have I been doing all this time with my little roll of foam or, or nothing? That was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> There's a root in my back. Nah. Nah. <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, this week for me has been so incredibly fun and amusing. Let me tell you, dude. Um, I was I was sending y'all text messages um, the other day, like, almost exasperated with all the amount of adulting I was doing. Like, getting new tires for my car, rotating my wife's tires on her car. Um... We had a running toilet, and I'm not Mr. <laughs> Mr. Fix-It. I'm not a handyman, but I'm like, well, I'm going to do it because I'm a homeowner, and I probably should figure out how to do it. So I'm in the Ace Hardware looking at maybe what I need to, like, fix the running and the noises that the toilet's making, and people are like, oh, just buy a flapper. I'm like, but what if it's not just the flapper? <laughs> what if it's something else? So I bought a universal, like, toilet kit. So I, I overhauled the toilet, and yeah. and that was uh, that was fun. Just yep. you know figuring out like screws and like you really have to have like the the, the um, screws, the bolts really, um, centered just right so stuff doesn't leak. Yeah. And um, yep, yeah, that was that was my adventure in adulting this week. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm there with you. I'm still, you know, in the process of slowly doing home improvements. A lot of my motivation's a little bit gone in the winter because, you know, so much of what I wanted to do was painting related, like cabinets, taking cabinets down and painting them in the garage, but it's cold in there and I don't want to buy like a <laughs> right. propane heater or something and blow us all up. Uh, not that that would happen, but I mean, yeah. Please don't blow yourself yeah, up. But <laughs> put on my, my YouTube plumber voice. So if you want to fix your toilet, the first thing you should look at is probably the gasket because those are generally the first to go. They don't last forever. Uh, yeah, it, it, but I will say, though, 
despite the fact that I do have a background in doing a lot of that basic stuff, because like my, my parents owned rental properties uh, for okay. some time and I, I lived in one. So sort of some of the trade off with me living there was sometimes helping out with other things. Um, but yeah, YouTube actually has come a long way. Sometimes you have to watch a couple of videos, but if you, I, I actually, I, I really do get a little bit peeved when, and it happens a lot more with, um, with like auto mechanics, which granted a car is a little bit more complicated than most of the things in your home. You can do a lot of stuff on your own. As long as you have at least a little bit of a mind that's interested in the engineering of things, watch a couple videos, read your how-to manual. How do you think like your, your grandpa and your great granddad did it? They just learned by doing most of the time. Right. So just right. do it and make sure to turn off the water first. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I knew, well, that was the other thing too. Like here we are talking about plumbing now, but like I like the, all the shutoff valves that I've ever known, like growing up have been like the, the turnstile knobs. Right. Mm -hmm. And I get down there. I'm like, wait, where is this thing? And like, I, I see, I see the hose, you know, coming out the wall from the source. Okay. That's fine. And I see this white little button next to him. Like, do I, do I press that? Like, and, and turns out you pull it. I was like, do I, do I turn it like a, like I normally do? I mean, is this like a different style? But yeah, you pull it out and that shuts the water off to the toilet. It was just weird to me. And yeah, uh, that, is, that is a little strange. I, I guess I, you know, normally what you have are some sort of like knob thing or like you right. know, a lever or whatever like that. Huh. Yeah. So yeah, fancy houses down there in Texas. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, let me tell you about water pressure in the the kitchen sink too. Like that that just randomly gone out, and I'm like, why? Why did this stop? Like I know there's construction going on across the street from us, but like, what in the world is going on? And um, the same day that I conquered the toilet, I'm like, well, I'm going to get down to the bottom of this with the kitchen sink. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's one of like three things. And I, I, the first thing I did was the easiest thing, and that's take the aerator off and, you know, knock that stuff out. And I think I'm going to need like a new a new one or just like boil it and like get all like the other particles out of it. But so far, there's been a, a little bit of an improvement with with that. So anyways, welcome to the Home Improvement Podcast <laughs> with your host, Bob Vila. <laughs> I wonder well, I was if people gonna, still. I, re, I was going to say. I Tim wonder if people Taylor, still remember. But. Well, yeah. I, I, I mean, but Bob Vila actually was real. Tim was just—he was fake. He didn't do anything right. I didn't like home improvement. <laughs> we, love we love Al. We love Al. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, I mean, Bob Vila did come up in uh, a couple searches when I was trying to figure out how to do some of these things. So he's still out there. There you go. Good old Bob. Thanks, Bob. Anyway, well, instead of talking about Bob and uh, fixing houses and toilets and sinks, let's talk about Riker and fixing the universe. How about that? Hey, sounds good to me. <laughs> now that we're, you know, 15 minutes in. Um, all right, everyone. So, um, like I was saying at the beginning, David and I, we have been kind of going through um, Star Trek literature. Uh, you know, for a little while now, we've we've tackled three books from the Shatner verse, and was it? It was around the time that we were having our lower decks conversation. I want to say that we were like, "Hey, do you want to do something with Titan?" 
like talking about like Star Trek Titan, or like you know the the Titan book series and just the USS Titan because of right what happened in Lower Decks is is I think part of the motivation that we had, and uh, and as we were planning, like as we were putting together like the production schedule and like what books we were going to read and when we were going to re- read them and you know record for them, um, we had news that this book was dropping and we're like oh shoot this one's actually canon let's let's tackle this so this was like yeah. a very impromptu uh, book um, now this book Star Trek Picard The Dark Veil right here yeah. any of you looking right there yeah. beautiful looking book um, is um, it's a sequel it's a it's a prequel sequel try saying that ten times fast it's a prequel sequel to Star Trek Picard The Last Best Hope and uh, that book came out uh, about this time last year, actually. And um, I remember reading that on my way out to um, to Rio Dosa, New Mexico, for a family wedding uh, before the Rona ruined everything. And um, <clears throat> so, in that that book, it's a um, it is a prequel. It does kind of explain like how the Mar- like a lot more about the Mars attack type stuff. A lot of the fallout. That happened, um, bef- at, you know, as we were in the middle of the Star Trek Picard series at the time that came out last January in 2020. Um, this one, it it picks up right after the book, uh, right after the events of um, Admiral Picard um, essentially retiring is is generally like where this this book takes place um, in the Star Trek timeline, and uh, we are. On the Titan, this this book is exclusively, I would say, a a Riker Troy centric story. Uh, yeah, kind of interesting when the book's called Picard, <laughs> Star Trek Picard, The Dark Veil, featuring the Rikers. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait! It's tied into the show, I guess, but. Does it make you wonder, though, if Riker would play a bigger part in, like, potential for, like, upcoming Picard series? You know what I mean? Like, another season of that, having more Riker in it? I mean, based on where the story goes, I would like to think that. Um, but, I like, I mean, I, I doubt that it will. Picard comes back on as, as Riker's number one. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> it doesn't matter anymore. I mean, I'm just saying, rank just doesn't matter anymore. We've already established this, so hey, why not? You know, Admiral First Officer Picard. It'll be great. There we go. It's fine. It all works out. So this, um, let's let's talk a little bit about like how the story is is kind of structured. Um, maybe just a little bit. So um, I can't remember the um, the the fancy term for it. Um, but we are caught right in the middle of um, what's going on. So um, we 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 start. Is it called like Mesa Res or something like that, or Resumet? Anyway, wh- whatever it's called, it's a big fancy French word that I should probably know that I don't right now. Um, where we're caught up in the middle of something that's already happened, and then as it as that as we kind of get our footing with that, then it explains everything that happens through the rest of the book and, um, newsflash it's bookended in the same way where we return to just how it had started essentially. And, um, 
you know, we haven't really talked about it yet, but um, this is, we are going to be getting into spoiler territory. We're going to be kind of gentle with our spoilers. Um, so just approach this with caution. This is your red alert, right? So this is your red alert to just approach with caution. Maybe a yellow alert. Let's just do a yellow alert on this one. Yeah. So, um, but we're, we're, so the, the beginning and the end of this is a tribunal, um, that we, we open up to with, um, with Captain Riker and some Romulans, basically. So the Romulans are back in play. Um, this is, of course, post-Nemesis, so we're kind of like in that weird stage with the Romulans where we're, we're kind of trying to talk to them. We're not really trying to talk to them. We're not too sure where we stand with them. It's very ambiguous, like it always is with it, Romulans. Yeah, always is, always will be. We, I mean, yeah. we work together to fight the Dominion. We're cool, and then, yeah. <laughs> then we're back to hating each other again. It's fantastic. I mean, Shin's yeah. on. It's fine. I mean, yeah. you know, we didn't just save you like multiple times. Cool, it's whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like we, we open up to this tribunal and um, a lot of finger pointing, a lot of uh, tensions being raised of, you know, what did you do, Starfleet? What did you do, Riker? What did y'all do over here type of thing? And that's pretty much it. I mean, I don't really think there's much to really go into with chapter one. Just a no, bunch of finger pointing. Yeah, not really. However, I will say that I do appreciate that they didn't choose to write this as a continual going back to that chamber because that's that's usually more of a TVism. Um, but it could have been very easy for them to just continually bounce back and forth, which I I personally don't like all that much. So I, I'm glad they went the route that they did and just tell the story in its entirety and then come back to the the quote present. So, what what happens next is we're we're essentially you know on the Titan and we're doing our exploration thing because that's what we do in Star Trek. And is it? It should be. <laughs> so can can I just say like I'm I'm probably letting the cat out of the bag, but I really like this book a lot, and yeah, it it just like. Even just the way that it starts, like in the early chapters, it just feels right to me. No, I, I agree. It it de it definitely does. It does feel a lot better than than. I, I'm I'm not gonna just say Star Trek, or Trek books or Trek media, but a lot of things I've been reading uh, recently, it actually captivated my attention a lot a lot more than a lot of the things I've been reading, and I've read so far four books this month um, but I will say this and I, I we're not talking about our ratings but the ratings for this book were actually like really high across the board like really? the lowest was like four four and a quarter on like Goodreads Audible is like 4.7 so this is a pretty highly rated book I think Amazon was pretty high up there too so you said on Goodreads Goodreads yeah Huh. I guess I'm the only one on these shows that doesn't look up ratings. Uh, I just I casually look look them up, you know, before we <laughs> we start. Amazon is 4.7, not a ton of ratings, 78 ratings, but still, it, it's being rated very, very high. 
So yeah. but I, I agree with you. It, it did feel it did feel good to to get into for sure. Yeah, I'm seeing it right now. Four and a quarter here on on Goodreads. Yeah, wow, cool. Well, well, we'll do like probably our own rating thing towards the end, like we always do. Um, yep. But I think the the main story is like it's it's really revolving around this generation ship and some of these characters that we're meeting now we before we really get into characters we have a lot of species that are, are showing up on this ship and in this story that maybe we haven't seen or heard from in this particular timeline of star trek um this is you know still kind of the the next generation kind of the Star Trek Picard kind of in between area and we have Kelpians showing up yeah I thought that was an interesting choice yeah we have Kelpians showing up we have um, a Denobulan that shows up oh did, did you hear the pronunciation of that in the book in the audiobook he I kept calling I, it Denobulan <laughs> it really there was another one that I, I wish I would have written down because it, it's there were three words that he pronounced really, in in my opinion, really off. But one of them was Denobulan because he kept he kept calling him a Denobulan. It's like, please stop, please stop doing this. <laughs> yeah, it was it was, yeah. But so yeah, we have we have the Kelpians, we have Denobulans. Of course, we have uh, Romulans, like I was saying earlier, and um, even the subsect of Romulans that we're calling Jat Vash, but yeah. they're not really subsect. They're just like their own political secret society yeah. thing. Um, so the Jat Vash... Secrets. Yep, the Jat Vash show up once again, which is kind of to be expected with this being a Picard era. I mean, that was like a big central thing with right. uh, Picard season one, of course. So, I mean, of course we're going to tie it in, especially with where this goes with um, kind of a synthetic, like they, they talk about like the Mars attack thing and that being kind of like the basis for a lot of this conflict. And so of course the Jat Vash are going to show up again and then what that pays out at the end, of course. Yeah. And I, and I think, I think really early, one of the, one of the major, <clears throat> one of the major things that, you know, stood out to me was uh, obviously we talked a little bit of, about Picard, um, you know, in his resignation. But we also saw kind of in the eyes of Riker about how he viewed his career. And I thought that was interesting because like Riker, Riker was on, you know, basically, you know, a big slingshot trajectory throughout his career, you know. Well, oh, yeah. I don't remember what the what the line is, but, you know, like captain before 35 or something like that. You know what I mean? Right. It's like he, he was he was on the up and up. And then one of the themes in Next Gen was him kind of holding himself, well, in, in quotations, holding himself back and staying on the, um, the Enterprise when he was offered, what, two ships during the series? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he had the opportunity to become captain, and obviously later on, which he got the Titan in one of the movies, correct? He, yeah, he was um, given command of the Titan, uh, Luna class starship 
um, in in Star Trek Nemesis. So at the Nemesis, so okay. he's so he's officially made a captain, and he he beams off and you know fly beam and warps off into the sunset at the end of Nemesis. Okay, yeah, I, I sometimes I forget, but but, but he was he was briefly him. he was briefly captain though in uh, Best of Both Worlds, True. right? Um, and he was, and that's yeah, when he was right, supposed right, to. Right. Um, he was originally going to be forced, I believe, to take the Melbourne, but um, because of what happened with oh, yeah, Picard and Wolf Three Five Nine, um, he ended up being promoted straight to uh, commanding officer of the Enterprise D. And by the way, the Melbourne was kind of sort of destroyed. Like I'm pretty sure all hands were killed. <laughs> So he was like uh, yeah, very so. rem- like yeah. pensive and you know reminiscent of like what could have been had he take actually taken that command because he was like torn like if he should take the Melbourne at that time right yeah exactly well I mean they gave they they gave the entire uh, finale of the Enterprise to uh, help Riker make decisions so I mean anyway just. Going back to the original thing here, so sort of his internal struggle with even staying in Starfleet, because if I remember correctly, he even said that he had written a resignation letter and never sent it. So he was like one, uh, you know, <laughs> one oopsie daisy butt dial away from, mm-hmm. you know, literally leaving Starfleet along with Picard, and it it's a recurring theme here where. Starfleet might not be the Starfleet we want it to be, but I am. Which was good to see, I think. Absolutely. And like and that's the thing like we we see I think we see that that that's like a recurring theme period with our our captains. You know, we we kind of semi joke about like the rogue admirals that we've yeah. seen and and how they like puff up their chest and they're like, I am Starfleet. Brah. Yep. Do what I say, type of thing. And the captains like you know, whether you look at Kirk or you, you know, go all the way forward to, to Riker, I mean they might make questionable, like gray area kind of decisions, but they believe that they're doing this like for a higher purpose. There's like a there's a more virtuous reason. There's a there's more of a morality to it um, in their decisions, um, even if they, if that goes against what Starfleet Command and you know the the CNC or whomever um, has to say about something. So yeah, like it was a very refreshing take seeing um, Riker do it in this book, and I think it was more to me it was more it was more satisfying in a way with how he did it compared to even how Picard did it in Last Best Hope and Picard Season 1 for me. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, Picard will always be uh, a beloved character for, uh, really, I think anybody who, who enjoys Star Trek. There are very different uh, personas, though, between Picard and Riker. They're two very different people. Um, and I think that the interesting thing is, is I kind of feel like, in a way, Picard or Riker is the kind of person that I think Picard wishes he could be. 
in some ways, and then vice versa, Picard is someone Riker wishes he could be in certain ways. Um, and by that, I mean, like, Riker has this family, you know, he has the love of his life, and he's still able to be a captain and still, you know, stay in Starfleet and fight for the ideals that they that they both share. Whereas, in a lot of ways, I think Riker kind of see has always seen Picard as like this stalwart um, decision making machine, ultra uh, ambassador, you know what I mean? And I think that that's why next gen always is something I can go back to like a nice safe warm blanket because they complement each other so well that it's it's almost like two halves of a whole there so mm-hmm. I'd agree I, I but I, I do I do like I think in this scenario though that we go through on in this book I think Picard would have made similar decisions but I'm actually a lot happier that it was Riker making the decisions and, and having that persona in these situations because it, it kind of makes things a little bit more I don't know a little bit more heartfelt I guess for me yeah, yeah like like the decisions that that Riker makes in this book um, you might laugh at this but I'm, I'm kind of serious too like it, it really felt like a karate kid kind of thing to me where it was like a Mr. Miyagi um, Danielson kind of kind of vibe with you know how he was applying the lessons that that Picard had taught Riker um, like we get right. towards the end of the book and there's the, there's this um, one of many space battles and the way that Picard or I'm sorry that, that Riker is I'm talking about Picard <clears throat> but the way that Riker is like talking and like listening to his crew and he's scared as heck but he's got to like be super stoic and like channel like that Picard thing I was really like Right. Like feeling like the whole like wax on wax off like the drum technique you know all the stuff that we see in Karate Kid I, I that's kind of, that was like what was going through my head I'm like you are totally channeling your Picard right now like you did learn from the best and you can tell that right. you've been a student of his for a long time and that you've put his stuff into action so I, I really like that I thought it was cool I mean, what what do you think about that. No, I'm 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 completely with you. I mean, it was definitely applying so many of the things that he had learned, and and that's that's why. Well, I mean, he he Riker had so many people pushing him in different directions that they thought he should go into. I mean, even his father when his when his father came in uh, for for an episode there. They, they were always constantly tr- like wondering why he was holding himself back. But it, it, at the end of the day, when you look at him now, would you have preferred like, I don't know, like season one Riker in this situation or Riker right as he is now learning all he did through next gen and, and on in this situation? Because if it were my, my thing, I'm going to take this particular Riker over any of the other iterations that we could have had had he have left to become a captain because again it's 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 sitting at the learning tree it's it's continually uh seeing things you know from a side point of view where you know as as a first officer of a ship you're gonna have you're gonna have say in how things work i mean in in a lot of ways going back to the dawn of time when we were 
having boats on the ocean type of deal. First officer does a lot of stuff. Actually, in a, oh, yeah. a lot of situations, more than the captain on a day-to-day -day basis. But that's not all there is to it. You have to have that, that semblance of command, that understanding. And again, I, I really don't know too many people that, that I would prefer to learn from aside from Picard. But I do have to... I do want to bring this up here because you, you talked about rogue admirals and I, and I started thinking about like insurrection and uh, I believe the admiral's name and that was like what Dougherty I think Dougherty, or something yeah. like that. And uh, it, 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 this happens a lot in Star Wars. I get frustrated sometimes because at times I just want things to actually like work right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, And you get Picard in this situation to be an admiral. And he's trying to do the right thing, but he's not like... It's always one of those things where you're not quite high up enough. You know what? You're not quite high up enough. You're an admiral, but you're not quite high up enough. There are times when I kind of wish that we could get our crap together. And I, I almost sort of think about Discovery as an opportunity to start doing that because there is not this grand consensus of admirals. I mean, we have Vance. I, I'm pretty sure he's the only admiral we've met in that show, correct? That and I'm aware of, yes. Yeah, that I'm aware of. So, could we... I, I know I know. sometimes you... I think in, in Trek, the, we, we draw a lot of uh, drama from the admiralty and their crazy mm -hmm. stuff that they do. Just once, I wish we could just like build it right. You know what I mean? Just see it. I mean, just see it for a little while. You can blow it up later, but just let me see that work out for a little while. <laughs> but we always seem to have that conflict. I mean, I would anyway. I would love to see... Uh, it would probably be too much fan service even for a book, but, I mean, let's think about it. I mean, 2379, that's when freaking uh, Nemesis takes place. And this is 2386, so it's only been six and a half, seven years since, you know, we had the crew together. And even since Janeway was an admiral, I would love to see Janeway in one of these books um, as, yeah. as an admiral. I mean, because I think she was, I want to say she was a two-pip admiral um, in Nemesis. I could be wrong on that. But just to, just to you know remind us that yeah we are all in the same universe still i mean she's young i mean she's young yeah. at the at the time of this i mean i don't remember if voyager was her first command but i mean even if it is i mean like you're talking like being like 30 40 something you know when you're when you're a captain um at least in star yeah. trek right 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 Yeah, I don't, I don't know, know, man. There, there's a lot that they need to work out in this particular time timeline because you, they they are being driven by fear, and I mean not to drop too many bombs here, but our our major sort of like, I don't know. One of our major reveals of the book is uh, what was this alien race's name? The was it Jazari? Jazari. Am I remembering that correct? Yeah. Okay. So. We do have an alien race here, the Jazari, that I believe it said, you know, maybe a hundred years they had contacted the Federation, but they make this generational shift that we talked about earlier in order to leave, leave mm -hmm. our 
section of the galaxy because they no longer feel welcome. We don't learn until much later why they don't feel welcome. Right. But essentially, you know, not to go crazy, but they're, they are artificial life, sentient artificial life. So yeah, they're not going to feel confident in their state of being for this particular section of time. And even in even in Picard the the series, there's there's still just so much uncertainty, and I mean just from like thinking about like TV show writing, can you imagine the fallout of that last confrontation mm-hmm. on a political level? Oh I mean, yeah, yeah, we stopped it, but like synthetic Picard, anyone? I don't know. <laughs> there's there was. There's a particular page that I made sure that I remembered because I really like this quote and I think now is a good time to maybe drop it as you talk about fear and like the the artificial life piece. And if you have the book, anyone that's reading, uh, this is on page 255. Um, so it's, it's definitely towards the end of the book. Um, and it's Troy that's talking with... Um, um, who is this? Yasil? If, you, that, if that's, that's how I pronounce it, at least. Um, and it says, It will change, insisted Troy. Right now, people are afraid. When that happens, they cleave to the simple answers to the things that will make them feel safer. But give us time. The pendulum will swing back the other way. I believe that in my heart. I have no doubt you do, Commander Troy. And perhaps you are correct. Yasil's reptilian face was heavy with sadness. But we cannot risk the future of our people on that hope. We wanted the Federation to be a new home for us, but our kind are not safe there. As the other interstellar powers, there are none among them we would trust with our secret. He paused, there is no future for us among you. Once our great ship passes into open space beyond the plasma storms, we intend to generate one final spatial corridor and travel through it, leaving the galaxy behind forever. So yeah, like that that fear, like you know, there's that that optimism that Troy still has, the optimism that I think has really been missing um, in the timeline that we're talking about. And despite the optimism, you know, we, we talk about this race; they don't feel welcome. And this is like a perfect example of them not feeling welcome. You know, like we wanted things to work out, but it's we can't stake we can't hope against hope that things are going to work out and uh, anyway no it's true I mean because at the end of the day they're gambling with their potentially with their lives yeah. I mean they are gambling with their lives because the Jat Vash would stop at nothing to destroy them because they are insane I mean they are literally psychopathic I mean they're they're insane they're insane people they're right. not it's, governed by anything except like a vision through something that kills most of them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, but I, I wanted to add on a little bit here from a little bit more like real world application because I find it interesting. And Eric said this a lot where, you know, St- Star Trek does at times parallel um, history. Uh, you know, in the original series, you know, as uh, insensitive as it probably is, you had, you know, with 
like our Klingons and Romulans, some at some in some ways they were caricatures of things from the Cold War. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the Bridge of the Enterprise, they attempted to you know okay, so here's a Russian, uh, here is an Asian man, here is you know Uhura over here, um, which I don't remember where she she came from on Earth, Africa. Do, do, do you, I, but was it? Did they ever get specific about it? Like, if they did, I don't remember. But I okay. know that she, um, that um, I, I, think I thought, uh, I, I think Uhura means freedom in Swahili. Okay. At any rate, the bridge of the Enterprise they attempted to do the melting pot. You know that that you know a lot of people wanted things to be where we were accepting of everyone, but we still had this caricature. And it's funny in this book where we talk about these sort of realms of fear that, that we're in here where we're, we're, as you said, kind of seeking from the quote, seeking the easy, the easy path, the easy choice. And I, and I have to, I have to draw this parallel here. So we have Riker and Troy and they're from kind of, they're getting a little older here. They're not old, but they're getting older. So they're sort of from you know, some decades past where we have like, say, Christine Vale, who is a little younger. She's sort of like, you know, there's a there's a divide of time. And a similar thing is sort of happening now. If you look at like young people in today's Mm -hmm. like today's day and age, you know, 18, 20, 25 years old, that young demographic. Right. And then you look at folks who are in their 40s and their 50s. They view what's like our time frame right here, 2021, 2020, 2021, an entirely different way. And I feel like the only major difference is that we are taking pessimism from both sides. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's there's not as much hope. But there are certainly some some generational gaps in between those who would be, you know, sort of in their 50s, 60s. And then, and there, you know, the teenagers and so forth. So, a lot of the folks that are falling into like that late twenties, thirties, early forties, that do have some hope for the future, because they've seen, they've seen things grow from the eighties and the nineties, the boom of technology, the sort of rise of politicism being a bigger part of everybody's life, the rise of information, the ease of access of information, that used to be much much harder to get you know you had newspaper now everything's internet everything people get news off of twitter which blows my mind yeah so there is a, a band of hope there but there, there's a lot of pessimism and fear of what's going on and it's it's interesting that they kind of twist this in here where we have we have pessimism from the romulans even our romulan commander is still playing the Romulan game. We have the Admiralty, we have the leadership of the Federation, which is being driven by fear of synthetics because of an attack. However, right here in the wedge in the middle, we have we have like you know, Troy and Riker, and, and to an extent Picard. Although, and I hate to say this, but you know he he has kind of recused himself. Absolutely. But he tr- he tried, but he did. He recused himself. He's he's at his chateau. But we still have this little tiny cheese wedge of hope where they're like, but we're but we are going to be better. We are going to embody the 
the hopes and the values that we want the Federation to do, despite the fact that the Federation isn't doing that right now, or the Romulans aren't doing that right now. And that commander, and I, I, I don't remember the, the Romulans' names, either either of them, the Jatvash uh, cultist or, or commander the, um, of the actual ship. So that was, um, was it um, Helic? I think Helic was the Jatvash, yeah, and it was, um, right. was it Major... Um, um, Major Maddock? No, that it sounds start, close. Mar- Mardak? It starts Mardak? with an M. I, I can't remember his name. Give me a second, I'll find it. Yeah. But, you know, he even... He has sort of a different view of how things should be, but he's still very, very Romulan. Medica. Medica, there we go. And it's interesting to see them at the very end of the book, between Medica and Riker, have not necessarily bridge the divide, but have a bit of better understanding of each other. Yeah. And that's the hope that we, that I hope we have for today, because as a society, we are very divided right now. Mm-hmm. And if we could just come together uh, on, on, it doesn't even have to be on like, you know, a major issue, but like a couple of smaller issues that we can all agree on because we do, we agree more than we disagree. It's just our disagreements seem so big because they're so overblown. Right, we, we But if we could come it, together we, we, like Riker and Medica, I mean, you could start to work away the problems. Well, that's that's exactly what I think was starting to happen, even at the end of um, of Nemesis. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, we look at two thousand two with Nemesis and the whole Shinzon stuff was going on. They had the battle of the Basin Rift. Uh, where they were knocked out of out of um, warp, you know, out, out of their their warp field and stuff, and they're drifting back, um, and out of friggin' nowhere, the this one Romulan, uh, I think it was Commander, um, is is open to working with the Federation. Not only working with the Federation in the, you know, and you know regarding the Enterprise E, but that. You know, Shinzon doesn't represent my government, and we are actually yeah. open to having some kind of diplomatic meeting and actually opening up talks. So, like, we, we see right. this happening, and when, I'm just going to go there for a second. Like, whenever I, I'm teaching, um, like, counseling students, for example, and I go through the history of the profession, and I'm talking about, like, whether it's the DSM or it's you know, the different decades and the things that have happened to our profession. I'm like, think about what's happening right, you know, in these different decades. Like, why are we focusing so much on improving our science and our education? Well, it's because of Cold War and and Sputnik and stuff like that that's happening in like the, you know, the 40s and the 50s. You know, why are we focusing so much on multiculturalism um, as a profession? Well, we're in the 70s and the 80s where that's really becoming more and more of a thing, more and more of a conversation. So, to your point of what you're saying, we are like, uh, without being, without sensationalizing it, David, like we are incredibly fractured right now as a people outside of Star Trek. And I think this is a great critique. It's a great, it can be a great critique. It can be a great conversation starter if we let it be a great conversation starter with, you know, red versus blue, with north versus south, with you know, yeah. Star Trek versus Star Wars type of type of stuff. I mean, ridiculous, but you get well, it. Well, don't go that far, Chase. We'll never come <laughs> together in that. 
I, I do I do agree though, but I, I I thought it was an interesting parallel, and I think it was an intentional parallel. With absolutely, yeah. At least I hope and, it was. And I was getting a lot of the. Um, I mean, I was I was definitely seeing as, as an American, I'm seeing American parallels in this book. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. So I think I think that's that's one of the really good things. I think that's one of the things that really works for me with this book is I've said it before and I know Eric has said it. I'm going to hazard a guess to say that you've said it too in your own way that sci-fi is at its best. Sci-fi does will always do a great job if it can get you to think about things in a new way. You know, with whether it's stuff going around you like with a social issue, with a political issue, with a personal issue, good sci-fi does that and I think this book is good sci-fi in how it tackles these contemporary issues that we're living through right now in 2021 yep, yep. agreed so um, now help me with something because like I'm a, I'm a little cloudy on this um, with the thing with, with with Thaddeus okay so Thaddeus Troy Riker um, the the, the boys the middle, op- what's his middle name Chase Worf Worf <laughs> Thaddeus Worf Troy Riker got the whole next gen crew in there we just need like another middle name of like LaForge or something and yeah Th- Thaddeus Data Worf Jordy Picard Riker Troy Troy Riker <laughs> <laughs> it's a mouthful can you imagine filling out like an application form oh, having to put on there. <laughs> Okay, so here's here's the part that I'm a little I'm I'm legitimately cloudy on. So help me out with this because you're more of the event guy. So Thaddeus, he's a young boy. He's he's gonna you know get into trouble like all little boys do, exploring and doing whatever. I'm the captain's son. I can't get any more trouble than I already am in. So who cares type of thing. Um, with him exploring, um, at one point on on this ship that they're on, this thing that they're on, he gets injured. And we know from Picard, we know from the Picard series that um, he fell susceptible to some kind of thing that could have only been cured by like a positronic matrix. Was it your impression that this injury is connected to the outcome of Thaddeus's death? Okay, so yeah, Thaddeus is is hurt, and the Jazari have a what do they call that process? Do you remember that? It's not reclamation, is it? Or it started with an R. Um, it was it was like something like reclamation. It was like yeah, some I don't remember what it was, but it just reminded me of like the sarcophagus and SG one yeah, type yeah, of thing. Exactly. So they were using nanites in order to help, you know, just rebuild. We can rebuild him. Um, my opinion of that whole thing is I feel... I don't I don't personally feel that when he was injured, that's what caused it. I feel that the process in which he was cured is what caused it. So... that's that, I think that's what I'm getting at is like... 
Okay, did, sorry. Yeah, then then I agree with you. Yes, that that is kind of the the route that I I feel like because the whole thing was is um our Vulcan doctor on on Titan. It, I think he had pronounced him you know good to go in the green, but then at the very end when we have the big reveal that Deanna is now pregnant with what would be their second child, uh, Kestra what was her name. Yeah, there we go. I, they had that little bit of a thing where it's like, ah, you're going to have to go back to the doctor. It's probably fine. Don't worry about a kid. And, oh, man, shucks. I don't want to go back to the doctor. I'm perfectly fine. I'm like a super <laughs> kid with all my super languages. I like no 20,000 languages by now, Dad. Come on, let me, let me leave me alone. <laughs> I, I, will, I will say... I did. I did find it interesting the way they wrote Thaddeus because, at, at times he is like such a he, he feels much older, you know. And then mm-hmm. other times he's like, "Mom, can I hold your hand?" You know, type of deal. It's like he's clearly six. You know what I mean? So I thought Absolutely. that was kind of interesting. But, but yeah, I think I think I think we're in agreement. I, I feel like the treatment is what is probably causing his his issue with unfortunately what. Uh, what took his life later which i hate because i actually started to like the kid i was like dang it right right i was i was thinking the same thing like okay so he he was being a little boy he was exploring getting into trouble okay (laughs) gets hurt and magic technology fixes him but it, it, it just felt really ambiguous to me and i don't know if i just like missed some details or if it was like ambiguous on purpose but like that's kind of what I was thinking as to how it led to what it what we know it leads to in in the show so yeah. I'm, I'm glad I wasn't alone on that but yeah it was, but it, was yeah. it was it was that was the whole the whole thing was sad because like he's he's such a smart kid like his instant attraction to languages is is fascinating and we kind of got a little bit of that in in picard a a little bit um but it's just with the way Riker reacts when when thaddeus is hurt and like there was a scene where he's in his um i think he was in his ready room and christine comes in his first officer comes in and sees like a bottle and a glass and it's like oh has he been drinking over here and he hadn't but he, he had thought about it but just really to think about like how broken up he was he wasn't even on his own bridge like pretty serious I mean not we're not in like serious serious territory but it's still serious but he's not even on his own bridge like right. how's he I mean to think about how he how he would have reacted when he loses his son is mm-hmm. is actually kind of interesting that we are able to see the guy that we saw in Picard when Picard visits them, where he is seemingly, it seems like somewhat at peace at this point. Right. Yeah. This is, this is kind of a little bit off from what we're talking about with Thaddeus, but when, so Thaddeus and uh, Troy are, are off of Titan for a good, good chunk, I would say of the story. (laughs) And they're on this, like, this thing that is, like, forested and and um, just foresty looking, basically, is, is kind of how I was experiencing it and stuff. And I, I, I don't know. 
I'm about to, to, to cross-pollinate on this one, but did you, by any chance, get heir to the Empire vibes with that particular scene? Like The reason I say that is because of... This is a Star Trek podcast. I don't care about spoiling Star Wars right now. Um, it's an old book anyways. It's like 20, 30 yeah. years old. Um, but yeah. on in Heir to the Empire, if I'm remembering it right, Luke ends up on this like in this forested area with Mara Jade, with the Empire and Thrawn really chasing him. And yeah. that was like that was the image that I had in my head with with Luke and Mara, and now with Troy, with Thaddeus, and everyone else on this forest thing. Yeah, I could see how I could see that 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 makes some sense to me, but. I do find it a little bit interesting. So this generational ship isn't just like like a Borg cube with like pods for all the semi robots. Because <laughs> uh, it almost made it seem are, like yeah. they were literally like grafting real skin onto metal exoskeletons, which was kind of gross. And by the way, can we quit with this whole torture eye thing? I'm so sick and tired of hearing they did that in Picard. Oh my god, I hate that so much. It's gross, and I do. And I torture, in my opinion, is one of the lowest forms of literature. I hate it. It it really doesn't need to be there. Um, That's why in a lot of television you just hear the off-screen, off-screen scream. And then you just let it be because you know what's happening. You can imagine it. I don't want it. I don't want to. He- I don't want to read it. Don't want to hear it being read. I don't want. I don't want to do it. Um, but anyway, yeah. The, the construction of these guys seemed seemed a little, honestly, kind of gross when you yeah. think about it. <laughs> but again, it's not like they have just a bunch of like hyperbaric chambers for these guys. Although they, I think they did say they had some like. Did they did they say they had some like cryo or sort 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 of like suspended animation stuff going on? I, I wouldn't see like they need that. Yeah, there's there's been a little bit of that stuff going on. Yeah, okay. But anyway, I find it interesting that they do have these sections of like forest. Like they literally, when they were breaking apart their planet, they took pieces of it. So there is like a sentimentality because it's not like they need that to live, do they? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, they're synthetic. They, I don't think that they necessarily need it. Maybe So they have, like, an aesthetic that they like. And this is, like, something that we've always gone back and forth with Data about how he, you know, he's painting. You know, and he was painting just random things. And then all of a sudden, when he activates the, the soon program, and he's able to, it's like, I, I painted a wing of a bird, a blacksmith's hammer, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah, the these these uh, these folks are like they're so more advanced. They're so more advanced. They ha- they have they have more of a grip on like in quotations humanity than I think we've seen in a lot of things. And, and until I guess Picard, although the the series, although and by programming or understanding the Jazari are far more compassionate way more like they're they're they make they make um i would go as far to say that they make saru look rude <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I mean, these these dudes, I mean, they're dudes and dudettes. I mean, they're they're pretty pretty um gracious and and uh respectable. They like their manners like are are up there. Like yeah. like crazy. Um you know, like we've we've been talking through a lot of these things and like with um with the 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 Jazari and whatnot, um we're not I don't want to do the bomb drop of like, you know, the the fullness of what they are and what it means for the story, because that would kind of yeah. spoil the very end of it. But um I don't think this part really spoils it um necessarily. Um and that is we find out that the Jazari are not from our galaxy, that they are from a neighboring distant one, such as the Andromeda yep. galaxy. Yep. And uh, that their their technology is 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 up there um, compared to our own. And I, I like that. I thought it was cool. And just kind of like the interplay that we do, like with um, you know the Prime Directive and like the, the impact of the Prime Directive in this story. Um, again, not going to spoil that because I want people to read this and enjoy that on their own when that bomb drops for them. Um, but can, can, I just want to talk about like I, I think we've been singing the praises of this book like the entire time we've been doing it. I want to talk a little bit about like some stuff that's kind of annoyed me um, as we kind of maybe wind things down um, over the next handful minutes of, or so. And sure. that is, I look, I like data. And to an extent, I kind of like what happened in Picard. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of getting sick of, like, all these AI storylines. I really am. It, it's, it's feeling like it's, it's overdone at this point, and I just, I just want it to stop. Just, just call it, let's call it quits. Let's put the kibosh on this. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you there. I, I think... I think at times you you box yourself into a corner, don't you? You you, you mentioned Stargate or uh, yeah, Stargate SG One, all that good stuff. When 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 the gold got stale towards the end of the show, um, what was their next enemy called? Uh, the Ori. The Ori. I didn't really care that much about the Ori. It actually the, the show started to lose my attention. I think a little bit towards the very end and then you got new characters and everything and if MacGyver's not there on the team at all times I can't watch it that's not necessarily true I watched it all but anyway <laughs> I, I kind of wonder how much we've boxed ourselves into a bit of a corner in, in the Trek universe because like very early on when we started the series in the 60s you had the Klingons and then sort of Klingons, but then it's like, okay, so now Romulans, Cardassians, Dominion, Dominion Cardassians, <laughs> uh, shapeshifters, um, Borg, Borg, yeah, and uh, all the junk that came about in Voyager, which changed a lot. I mean, there were constant threats so are we at a point or are the writers of Trek 
the idea people behind Trek, are they out of ideas? Because you're right. I mean, we've been seeing AI in the books. Picard show. Discovery. Season two of Discovery. Season three of Discovery. And it, 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 you know, we, we get not so much season three of Discovery, but you get my point. Um, but yeah, it seems to be a consistent problem. So I guess the question would be, because you have to have a foil, who is who would be the next foil so that we can get away from AI? Because I think we're both on the same wavelength that maybe we kind of want to bridge that gap with the Romulans. And I personally love the Klingon, so I'm cool with that not happening again. We've had rehashes of that a lot. So what's next? The Dominion's gone. So what's next? I mean, I say we have this alien bird-like you know, space-faring whatever. Space whales? Space birds. Space birds with, like, you know, cool-looking beaks and talons and stuff. Um, I say we have that, and, um, you know, and they have, like, an alliance with, like, the Gorn or something like that. I don't know. Like, <laughs> the Gorn. Well, I, I, I will give Discovery one thing. Bringing back up the Orions as, like, some dominant bad guy actually was kind of interesting in a way, the more I think about it. Yeah. Although, they did kind of kibosh that <laughs> towards the end. Uh, but it, 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 do, it does stand to reason because I, I, I think that we have started to make too much, too many friends. And it's like, well, we're running out of people what are we gonna the tholians the thol the next next season of discovery there's tholian webs everywhere they're they're coming for well, us slowly you know, it, i mean I, they'd have to do it right but um what was the name of um the creature that or, or the um it was like a benevolent it looked like a cat to me. Like it was a, a benevolent cat-looking alien that just started like experimenting on the Enterprise D crew. It was an early Next Gen episode, and they just started like oh, was that, kicking. Yeah, it was like see, that was season two, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They started like killing people, like left and right, like freezing them or just experimenting on them. I think it'd be interesting to bring them back, uh, maybe. You know, and, and I mean, it'd have to be. I don't think it could be like a recurring villain. But I, I don't know, like maybe, maybe that wouldn't be a good idea. That probably wouldn't be a good idea because you need someone that you could interact with. Like, I don't want. See, see here's the thing. OK. I, I think my I, I, I like comic book movies. I think they're they're fun. They're cool. Um, regardless of which side you're on, like with DC or or Marvel or any other comic book out there. Right. Um, the thing the thing that comic books do that movies and yeah movies can't do and even to a certain extent tv shows can't do is they they have the villain that always shows up but in a movie yeah. the villain is killed off at the end of the two and a half three hour movie yeah and and that's it i mean like um i'm not really spoiling anything because i think everyone knows but like wonder woman 1984 that has like Diana Prince's um, chief chief rival, right? Cheetah is like the main villain, like the it's the Moriarty to her Sherlock Holmes, 
um, and Wonder Woman. And that's it. Just one movie with her. I mean, yeah. Just like any Spider-Man movie, any Iron Man movie, you, you only reuse them. And I think that's the issue that we're seeing, that I'm seeing, with like the serialized... I'm not here to dog serialized TV. I, I, I've done that enough already. But I think that's part of the problem with the formula of serialized versus episodic is you have the bad guy and then it's resolved at the end. Like they either die or something. But with episodic, like we saw like with the Borg and the Romulans, they can keep popping up. Whether you're yep. the main dude or you're, you've assumed the role of the main bad dude, but you keep showing up. And, and that's... I'm rambling, but like that's that's kind of what I'd like to see. You know, let's get away from the AI. Let's create a new alien species, like these, you know, space birds and or whatever, and and see what happens in these in like Discovery or Picard or whatever. Yeah. Well, um, Ducat, how many different iterations of du of Ducat did we see throughout, you know, Deep Space Nine? Like he just kept coming back. He just kept mm -hmm. coming back to be the the foil to mm -hmm. to DS9. Um, yeah, I mean you could do it very easily. You just on the outer reaches of the galaxy, a deep space mission. You know, Captain Beverly Crusher out there just in a medical science ship gets attacked by someone new. You know. <laughs> I don't know. Riker picks up her escape pod. You could do a lot of different things. I'm just saying, like, you just have to create it. Um, but anyway, yeah, I'm done with AI. I, I could yeah. be done with AI really quickly. We could be done with this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in, like, the, like, with a friend that showed up, like, the thing that I just, I kept thinking was, this is, like, the dots from, from Discovery. Yeah. Like that that was just kind of how I saw it in my mind was like this is just dot and I'm like just I'm really done with this all this like super sentient or however you describe it AI type of stuff that we continue to see in Star Trek as of late. Agreed. So. Agreed. But hey, I you thought I know one thing that annoys me. Is it me? Yeah, but not <laughs> no. <laughs> so, on okay, let's talk about names real quick. Thaddeus, okay, has been shortened several times to Thad. Mm -hmm. No offense to any Thads out there, although I think <laughs> I was telling you before this, the only one I had ever heard was in Blue Mountain State, which was kind of a cheesy college football comedy thing but the main terrible person in there his name was just Thad well his actual name wasn't anyway I'm not explaining that show to you uh, for some reason it just bothers me please just call him Thaddeus it's, an, it's not a bad name but Thad hi Thad it, it just it, it seems like it should be Chad or something like that but uh, anyway Kevin Thad uh, Castle, a senior linebacker slash team now you're <laughs> from Connecticut. Okay. His name his name actually wasn't Thad. He had a lisp, and his teacher thought he said Thad, but he anyway he it, 
it's not his actual name, but whatever. Yes, I've watched the show. <laughs> okay. How about that? <laughs> yeah, like there. It just reminds me of that guy, and it's like that guy was such a such a terrible person in that entire show. It's like don't make this little kid into this terrible linebacker from a from a comedy. <laughs> just call him Thaddeus. Or just go. Hey, he. A lot of people go by their middle names. It's like, Dad, let me jam on something with you. You know, th I'm not really feeling Thaddeus anymore. I'm gonna go by Worf. <laughs> oh, well, that was a bad idea. <laughs> I like it. I like it, Will. I think you should go by Worf. Of course, you like it, Troy. <laughs> we promised we would never talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> that timeline didn't happen. <laughs> anyway. Oh shoot! Yeah, there were a lot. Of, there were a lot of names to keep up with in this, and like especially with like the ro the the Romulan ones, kind of sounding a little bit alike at times. They sounded yeah, they sounded so familiar. It's like there was that one like uh, older lieutenant who was kind of trying to check everybody from time to time, make sure like they were actually doing somewhat the right thing. I can't remember his name. They, they were, they were too similar. But anyway, I, I, I really, I think I said this at the beginning, but I really like this book. Um, and this, I can see myself reading this book again. Um, not right now. I have too much crap. I got to read and write, but, um, but I can 100% see myself picking this up. I think this book, in my opinion, has a lot of reread value that you don't have as much lately, in my opinion, with a, with a lot of books out there. Um, yep. This is a very well-written book, and I'm, I'm probably singing its praises way too much, but if I'm going to rate this book, um, should we do our, our normal 1 to 10 system, or, or what do you think? Do books um, usually yeah, do a 5-star I mean, system? It's always a question, isn't it? Because yeah, books tend to be on five, like five star ratings, and then movies a lot of times do out of ten. I don't know why that is, but we can we can do it either way. All right. Well, I'm already I'm already locked and loaded with this whole ten system thing. So, for me, um, again, I really really like this book. There's there's like a, just a few things that I don't like, chiefly among which is like the recurring AI thing that we've talked to death. Um, for me. I'm kind of hanging out like in a nine, like a nine and a quarter for this book. I really like it, and I think it would be well worth our listeners' time to read this book. So, David, what do you think of the book? Uh, before I answer that, do you remember what we rated Last Best Hope as? Probably not. That's been a long. It's been a long while. It's been almost so. a year. I don't remember. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I, I guess I don't expect you to. I. I uh, I don't remember being as impressed with that book as this one. I thought it was fine. Um, I just thought... I, I do remember us talking about, like, trying to find any way they could to throw in, like, a random curse word or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which then translated onto the show, which was super cool. Uh, but anyway, this book was, was heads and tails better. Than, than the first of this particular lineup, this Picard series of books. Um, not because we changed, you know, title or characters. You know, if Picard were here, I probably would. I, I just think that, um, and what was the writer's name? James uh, Swallow? Is that who? Yep, James Swallow. So I, I, I 
I think that that was um, that he did just a really good job of encompassing not only the the essence of the characters that he was writing, but also providing a very inline story with some offshoots, but keeping very well focused on the linear story, which usually makes me pretty happy because if I have to go off in too many different directions, I can do it. I just don't always want to put that much effort into it. So anyway, all I need to say is Robert Petkoff, I need you to learn how to pronounce things. Because if I hear you say Denobulin again, I'm going to find you. I'm not going to find you, but I'm just saying that that did bug me. And it wasn't just one thing. There were a couple. But anyway, so the book was really good. Um, like we said earlier, I think it's getting really accurate ratings. So that's pretty cool. So good story, good characters, uh, really, really good lows and really good highs. So... Yeah, I'm I'm probably hovering, uh, you know, with you somewhere in the like. Oh, the only thing that I'm I'm not super keen on is, um, and I've said this in several other avenues. I don't like cults. Cults irritate right. me because sure. it's stupid, um, and I'm not going to be any more adult about it than that. They're just stupid. The the whole Jat Vash, I understand from the story driven standpoint, so I'm not knocking it. This character, however, our um, Tal Shiar agent, mm-hmm. is so Helix. insane. Yeah, Helix. Commander Helix. So insane. Like, comic book level, tweedly mustache, uh, lying through her teeth at every given avenue, complete sociopath, psychopath, whatever. Insane. In that way, she plays her part well because I hate her. <laughs> I just I don't ever want to see her again, but clearly I we might. So anyway, um, but it, it, it sometimes I I, I I want the villain to be toned. I would have toned down the villain just a wee bit, just tone it down, just a, a, a hair, a little less comic book, a little bit more real world, real world, real real world, real world villain. Gotta slow down. <laughs> don't ever ask me to say I'm not gonna say it. Never mind. So anyway. Uh, so rating, I'm probably going to stand pat at a 9.5. Very good overall book. And uh, I actually hope to see this uh, particular writer do some more because I think he did a really excellent job. Well, the cool thing about this particular writer is... So good old... Has he done more? Yeah. And we're going to read more of his. Um, so Sick. James Swallow has written... Um, for the Star Trek Titan book series. And uh. so Brother Man was part of like the original series of it, you know, like the, I think it was like nine books thereabouts that, that um, Titan has. But I think he wrote like maybe three of them thereabouts. And uh, so he, like, he was even saying like at one point, um, you know, how it was kind of, difficult to kind of come back to Titan um, since like the Titan series is not canon uh, to Star Trek Damn. and like having and like bringing some of the characters and like canonizing them basically um, I, the one thing I do know about the Titan book series is that it was originally intended to be the most um, diverse like starship in in the fleet uh, with it being I think like 75% 
85% alien and the remaining 15 to 25% was human. Um, I mean, there's like a dinosaur looking doctor, um, is my understanding for, um, for the Titan. So, um, yeah. (laughs) He actually has kind of an interesting, interesting little, uh, swath of books here. I was just kind of looking up, uh, some of his stuff. I did the, uh, discovery book fear itself. I guess it's a Suru thing. There it is. 2018. I'll be darned. So. Also did something with Doctor Who. Yeah. Haven't read it, but yeah. Oh, he wrote a novelization of The Division 2. How about that? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, he did a good job. But it, it actually makes more sense now that if he, if he was... If he was more integral with the Titan series, then he would understand Riker, which then should make this somewhat easier to write then. Right, and and that's the thing, like the I felt like reading the characters, I could hear like Frakes and Surtis' voice like actually saying this stuff. So it felt very believable. It felt it was just a very genuine take on the characters. And even even the space battles, like I could actually see them in my head playing out, which sometimes I have a hard time doing. And I think this author really painted the picture really, really well, really well. So yeah, great book. I'm hoping that we get like maybe another, you know, Star Trek Picard type of book, um, another Titan kind of book or something, you know, like another Picard number three novel. Uh, that we can we can check out so well um, we will be back again doing another book um, next month and I think we're going to be starting with the non-canon for right now the non-canon Star Trek Titan book uh, called Taking Wing I believe it was called yep Taking Wing so uh, we'll we'll do that and what we'll probably do because um, not all the books have audiobooks, so we might take them like a half book at a time. Um, David and I are going to talk about that more and kind of figure out the um, um, the way in which we want to do that, like our marching orders on that. Uh, but we're going to start with Taking Wing next month, so um, end of February, um, you'll have Taking Wing to listen to as we start our um, Star Trek Titan uh, series read. So um, if you don't have it, go check out like a half price books, uh, get it online somewhere, garage sale, whatever. I think Taking Wing is also on Kindle. So if you're into e-readers, you can uh, get it there too. But uh, David, thanks bud for for coming on and talking books. I know you love talking books. I know you love reading and I'm glad to have you again. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. It was fun. Yeah, man. So um, for anyone out there, uh, what'd y'all think of this? Um, Have you read it? Do you want to read it now that you've listened to this with these yellow alert kind of spoilers? Um, you know, whether you have or you're about to, let us know what your thoughts on the book were. Um, and uh, we'd, we'd love to hear it. Like, if you agree, disagree with kind of our assessment, did you give it like a one? I don't know how you'd give this rate, this book a one, but did you give it a one? I'd love to hear about that. Did you give it a perfect 10? Um, regardless, you know, check us out. Uh, you can interact with us. Go to trtvpod.com. Uh, learn more about us to um, send us questions and just to find out more about the show uh, we are on all the socials at trtvpod that's uh, facebook instagram and twitter um, so make sure you, you send us a note interact with us there 
Uh, we post semi-regularly <laughs> to all those places. And um, pretty soon we are going to be trying our hand at some live streaming on our Facebook page. So make sure you, um, you follow us on Facebook to uh, make sure you get the notification when we do go live for that sort of thing. Um, one other thing is we do have some merch and um, there's some links swirling around somewhere to check out our, our t-shirts. We have, I think, three or four different designs. You can get them Sweet on. Sweet t-shirts, yeah. You can get them on um, sweatshirts, t-shirts, tote bags. You can get leggings if you really want to get leggings or socks or whatever you want to get. get Coffee mugs. A onesie. Yeah, you can get a onesie too, actually, if you want to. I'm going to for our, um, our incoming number two. Uh, so anyways, check us out. Um, there's links. Um, there, I believe it's, we're on T Public, if I'm not mistaken. Um, anyway, so uh, with that, um, if you want to get in contact with us, you can do that by entering coordinates to trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice only transmission to 817 752 4757. Remember, there's a three minute time limit, and your comments may be used on a future episode of These Are the Voyages. And finally, if you um, want to, you know, mail us a map of some kind of made-up planet that you've drawn on a piece of paper with colored pencils. You can do that. Make sure it gets the Lone Star Station, P.O. Box 2455, Azel, Texas, 76098. As always, as we leave here today, thank you for voyaging with us. And may you always remember to boldly go and make it so. Mm-hmm.